Joe Biden's all sort of down with Washington, D.C. being the 51st state, and the House of Representatives is actually voting on it. Voting on statehood. Now, I don't know if this necessarily has any place to go in the Senate. It's a 50-50 Senate. But there's only one reason for statehood, and the reason for statehood is two senators. Each state gets two senators. They'd get one member of Congress because of just the size. They would get two senators. What political party do you think those senators would be? Trust me, if they had elections and you got one Democrat, one Republican, Democrats would go out of their mind and say, we need two more senators. Puerto Rico, statehood. Is this a good idea? No. I lived in D.C. for quite a while. Yes, indeed, the license plate do read taxation without representation. I make no disagreement to that argument. No one is forced to live in Washington, D.C. They can leave at any time. But since the obvious push here is for progressive power and not for what's right for the people, how could any rational person be anything but opposed? Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today, that's the show. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Go like and follow that page. The phone number, 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. I'd appreciate the phone call. Love to hear what's on your mind, that Biden's in favor of it. I am sure I can go back in history and find the the place where Biden opposed D.C. statehood. You know what? Why don't I just search that? Biden opposed D.C. statehood. Let's see if it even comes up. Right? Go back in his history. I wonder if, I wonder if it does. Because Biden, what was the expression uh, today? Uh, Biden has been on every side of every issue, so he always knows what the other side's thinking. Right? He wants to oppose the filibuster. He wants to uh, he wants to engage the filibuster. He wants to uh, have statehood or not have statehood. He wants to steal from a British parliamentarian or he wants to steal from a British parliamentarian. That's because he's a plagiarist, folks. Please try and keep up. This is who he is. But this is just again another craven political maneuver. But maybe the bigger story today is the uh, shooting that took place in Columbus, Ohio and a girl by the name of Micaiah Bryant who was killed. This story is a story because of the lies that surround it. Some of the most radical things said have been said in the last 24 hours of this case. I simply want to bring you all of the facts and all of the lies. I'm going to get into LeBron James. Oh, LeBron James. Oh, wait, hold on. What's the parlance that he uses? I want to make sure I'm using the right terminology, everybody. Uh, LeBron James needs to get educated. LeBron, you need to educate yourself before you talk and, and know what you're talking about before you say anything, especially when it comes to this girl who is trying to stab two other girls. You see, it starts with a lie. It starts with the idea uh, that police showed up to where this group of black people were and then just started shooting a 16-year-old girl. That is not true. That is not in any way true. That's not the way it happened. What happened 
is that there was a 911 call. And the 911 call said, uh, hey, there's someone trying to stab uh, others here. There's this girl trying to stab people. When police show up to the house, the body cam footage shows clearly that there is one girl we will call the suspect tackles girl A, then turns to girl B. With her left hand, the suspect pins girl B up to a blue car, which looks like an old Prius. And in her right hand is a knife. It's a big knife. It's not Crocodile Dundee big, but it's pretty big. And with that knife, looks like she's about to start stabbing or does actually start moving into the, the, the girl B, who's pinned up against the car. It is at that moment that the police fire at the suspect. Four shots. She is killed. It's not a second before people around there are screaming at this cop, look what you did. No even thought to the fact that she was running around with a knife. Cop comes upon a scene where a suspect tackles one girl and is going after a second girl, has a knife and looks like she's going to stab. The suspect is going to stab a girl. What do you want the cop to do? Well, some people ask the question, well, hey, uh, couldn't uh, the cop, you know, just just go for the leg? And people have been, a, a journalist actually asked this question to Columbus police, and people are like, oh, what a dummy, oh, what a fool. The answer is what matters. Shot her in the leg, so she dropped. Could he have shot her in the arm, something like that? Right, you know, one of the, uh, the difficult things with that is um, when you're trying, we, we don't train to shoot the leg because that's a small target. We train to shoot center mass, what is available to stop that threat. There was a threat going on, a deadly force threat that was going on, so the officer is trained to shoot center mass, the, the largest part, part of a body that is available to them. When you try to start shooting legs, or arms, uh, rounds miss, and then they continue on, and there are people behind that that could be in danger that are not committing anything. Uh, So we try and minimize any danger to anyone else. People who know nothing about firearms never once think about what lies behind the target, but anybody who has ever dealt with a firearm knows that there are four rules, right? There are these four universal rules. Right? Always uh, point uh, in a safe direction, right? You don't point your gun at people. You always treat every gun as if it were loaded. You treat every firearm as if it were loaded. You keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot and know your target and what is beyond it. What lies behind it. People who know nothing about firearms know nothing about firearms, and they're proud of it. They're proud of that fact. People who have purchased a weapon, people who have done any level of training, I should say, know this and live by this. You hang out with some gun guys, and they're checking out some weapons. They will check that that thing is unloaded 100 different ways from Sunday. And when they hand it to the next person, that person will check to make sure it's unloaded a hundred different ways from Sunday. It's just what they do. Because the rules are the rules. So no, 
You've got a suspect stabbing somebody. You're not going to shoot for the leg because you can miss and hit the victim's leg or someone else. This story, as I related to you, is what took place. Police show up because they were called. Because they were called. Then you see uh, the suspect tackle one girl, attack another girl, and try and stab her. Police shoot four times. What you immediately started to hear was that the police shot an unarmed black girl. A white cop shot an unarmed black girl. Well, of course, it had to be racial. You had one black girl attacking two other black girls with a bunch of other black people around, but the problem is this white cop who saved the life of two black girls. He's a racist. He's a bigot. It's just more proof that there is no justice. It's all a lie. And yes, if it sounds like I'm mocking those people, I am. Because those are the unserious people. You see, serious people, regardless of the color of their skin, can see a problem and say, we have to fix this. But serious people look at things on a case by case basis and in the case by case basis you take a look at this and say she was stabbing people you're gonna get shot the police are gonna stop you that's their job ben crump is the lawyer for the floyd family right famous for these cases and ben crump Tweet it out. As we breathe the collective sigh of relief today, meaning after the verdict of Derek Chauvin, a community in Columbus felt the sting of another police shooting as Columbus police killed an unarmed 15-year-old black girl named Micaiah Bryant. Another child lost. Another hashtag. Well, that's, that's you know, she was 16, not 15, but okay. It was reported at 15 at the first, then got changed to 16. She wasn't unarmed. The knife was clear as day. You want to know how clear as day the knife was? One of the girls who almost got stabbed speaking on the body cam video. She came out at you with a knife yes. earlier? No, she just, that's what the, that's what the police that, did. That lady she came on the out, floor? She came after me. With so, a knife? Yeah, so, she, so he got her. She came after me with the knife, so he, the cop, got her. There's just no other way to say it. She was armed. Ben Crump was wrong. Whether he was lying or not, I cannot tell you. But he was willing to believe she was unarmed because it fit narrative, not facts. And Ben Crump doesn't give a damn about facts. So he puts out that Columbus police killed an unarmed 15-year-old black girl. When the New York Times wrote the story, they quoted Mr. Crump in his tweet. And they wrote, as we breathe the collective sigh of relief today, a community in Columbus felt the sting of another police shooting, Mr. Crump said. Another child lost. Another hashtag. You know what's missing? What's missing is the part where he said a 15-year-old unarmed black girl. The New York Times took it out. Why? 
because they say, and I'm quoting here, our quote is accurate and reflects his sentiment without repeating what turned out to be inaccurate information about the facts of the shooting. We didn't like the fact that it made him look bad, so we just took that out and the rest of it was good enough for our story purposes because narrative is everything. Facts are garbage trash. The New York Times is not a news organization. Enter NBC Nightly News. NBC Nightly News, in their newscast, said this. After shot and killed a 16-year-old black girl in Columbus, Ohio, saying she was threatening others with a knife. Police body cam video was quickly released. Our Kevin Tibbles has that story, and I need to caution you. The images are difficult to watch. Police body cam video shows Micaiah Bryant's final moments. When a Columbus, Ohio police officer responding to a call gets out of his car and seconds later fatally shoots the 16-year-old girl. Authorities say Bryant was threatening two other girls with a knife. It's a tragedy. There's, there's no other way to say it. It's a 16-year-old girl. Officer Nicholas Reardon, who joined the force in December of 2019, was responding to a 911 call. So, so far they have the facts right. It is horrible. He was responding to a 911 call. And then... We need a police officer here now. Video shows Reardon approaching a group of young people. That part. We need a police officer here now. 19 was responding to a 911 call. We need a police officer here now. In that 911 call, the girl says that the, the, the caller says that this girl was, quote, trying to stab us. The 911 call said this girl, the suspect, was trying to stab us. And NBC did not share that. ABC, to their credit, did. ABC highlighted the knife. So let's not throw everybody out with the bathwater. Let's recognize the good. But NBC couldn't share that part. They didn't think that part was important. Narrative. Why even discuss the idea that the suspect was trying to kill when we could just say the police are all murderers? It's so much easier. I have only scratched the surface in all the horror of the narratives that have been pushed from this story. Here's the story. A black girl tried to kill two other black girls while other friends who were black or, or passers-by or viewers were black did absolutely nothing. And when the police showed up and saved the lives of at least two black girls, they screamed at the police for helping them. That's the story. And then LeBron James advocated for the cop's murder. Oh, wait, that isn't what he did? I'll share with you his tweet. I'll let you decide. We're also going to take a look at where we are with these masks and whether or not they've done any good. Phil Kirpin has the data. That's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. It takes so much work to scam people. I very often wonder why the scammers don't just work. I mean, the work that those people do claiming to be a Nigerian prince. Wait, 
that's not real? Oh, oh yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Make make sure you send in your check. They're just waiting because once they can prove that the it works, then they can deposit the five million dollars into your account. Man. Yeah, I all, I all I had to do was send him ten grand. Right, right. So you did that, right? Yeah, my wife. And, and, my wife was like, you know, why not? It sounds like a great idea. Right. You said and you said that to the proper address because I haven't. I, I mean, they haven't gotten it yet. Uh, they said it was some sort of mailing issue, so I have to send another ten grand. Right, right. Good, good. Do that. Do that immediately. YouTubers got together in the UK and took a dollhouse and dressed it all up and then took photos, right? It's one of these giant dollhouses where you can like open up the side walls and you can like really see into it. And they took pictures. Well, the way they took pictures made you think that it was a real room a real bedroom, a real hallway. And then they rented the Airbnb. Uh, they rented the house on Airbnb and got $3,000. I've seen that before. That is insane. It's clever. That's nuts. I see How do can it, yeah. you possibly make that happen? How is it possible that people can fall for it? How good are these photos? I've seen it with like online shopping too, where it's like a miniature toy chair, but they take pictures so good it looks like a life-size chair, and they sell it, and it's you know a bitty one. They wait, wait, they they what? It's like little doll chairs for dollhouses, but they like zoom in and take such good high-quality pictures that it looks like an adult-sized chair. Like the the perspective is forced, so people buy it, and then they're like, oh crap. They're so really this is good. the thing. Yeah, it's like, you need to look at the pictures because it is, you wouldn't be able to tell just based off the pictures. It looks real. That's just, it just seems like a lot of work. It just seems like so much work for such little reward. Just one man's theory. What is the story? What is the real data on masks? This is Tony Katz today. Lockdowns are ineffective. We're more and more aware of this. The data is more and more compelling. And the more we see about states and areas that wore masks versus how the masks have worked, we don't see the data that shows us that there is a a compelling argument to masks having serious efficacy. I argue that a mask must do something, but does it really work against COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2? Tony Katz, great to be with you on Tony Katz today. Phil Kirpin joins us right now. Phil Kirpin of American Commitment. His piece from The Spectator, spectator spectator.org. COVID and the illusion of control is something that we've discussed before, but paying attention to this. Now, Phil, you're not, you're not a doctor. You're not, you're, not a, you're not a scientist. What you are is really good at breaking down numbers and looking at data and seeing the issues therein. Let's start with the idea of shutdowns. Let's start with the idea of lockdowns. Uh, no one is better because of these ineffective things, correct? 
Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, we now have an enormous amount of data, and we've got all of these natural experiments because we've got uh, wildly different policies in different places in the United States. And, you know, for instance, Florida's been, at least at the state level, completely wide open, zero restrictions since September. California's been in continuous lockdown over all of those months. Uh, Florida has better COVID outcomes across the board than California over that time period. And, you know, if you look at counties that are near each other and have wildly different policies, if you look at states that are near each other and have wildly different policies, uh, they generally follow the same disease curves, uh, which suggests that whatever the factors are here, whether it's climate, whether it's, uh, you know, humidity, whether it's just uh, the changing of the seasons and the angle of the sun, or whether it's just randomness, stochasticity, who's luckier not to have super spread events, um, it doesn't seem to be affected really at all by closing schools or closing businesses or imposing restrictions. You, you get pretty much the same disease curve you're going to get anyway. Um, but what you get with the restrictions is on top of still having the virus harms, now you get all of the harms created by the restrictions, all of the economic harms, the educational harms the social and emotional harms. And so, in effect, uh, you add a man-made catastrophe on top of the viral epidemic with these policy responses. Now, how does this play in in the data? Because, I, I mean, I follow you on, on Twitter, at, at Kirpin, one of the few reasons uh, to be on Twitter, K-E-R-P-N, at Kirpin on Twitter is where you find and follow Phil Kirpin. And you have been taking a look at masks. You've been taking a look at... at uh, levels of vaccination rates, trying to understand how this this flows. And I think at one time I, I sent you, uh, hey, say this again, but slow down and do it in English. So I could, I yeah, could follow well, you and understand. Yeah, you to explain that Michigan data, but the problem is I can't explain it because it doesn't make sense. I was hoping so wait, so wait, let's take a step back and give people, it, it was a conversation about data out of Michigan, and we're seeing an increase in Michigan cases, and they're you're saying down. you can't they explain the data, data, but what is it that so you saw? They're going down now, but the thing that's really weird in Michigan is, they have two different versions of their emergency room data. They have one that they call uh, coronavirus symptoms, and then they have one that they call COVID-19 diagnosis. And the diagnosis is like massively, massively higher than the symptoms. And so you look at that and you're like, what, what, what is this data telling us? And, and I don't know, unfortunately, and the media doesn't seem particularly interested in it, but it's very strange uh, that there have so many diagnoses that apparently don't have symptoms it's, uh, in the emergency rooms. I find that very odd. So you're making the argument that people get diagnosed with COVID, even though the symptoms don't match up. We actually heard about this in the beginning that on on, on death certificates, it would the cause of death would be COVID, even if it was clearly something else. Is that is that a, a financial opportunity for hospitals? Because that was the original thought. Uh, maybe. And, you know, definitely in the CARES Act, there was a big bonus for hospitals. Uh, that's not as much the case now. There is still a Medicare 20 percent plus up uh, for, for COVID diagnoses, but there's not that big $70,000, whatever it was, incentive uh, with the extra CARES Act funding. So there is a little of that. I, I think that it's probably related to the uh, massive testing that they're doing in Michigan, you know, like high school sports now. I think they make every single athlete test weekly. And so they've got a lot more testing going on there than other places. And if for whatever reason you end up having to go to an emergency room, let's say you get injured in the game or whatever, and your test is positive, then they, I guess, put you in as a diagnosis. I don't really know, though. I, I, it's very weird. You almost wonder if it's a data error because the gap there is so big 
Uh, and it, but it's been that way for a long time there. So I, I don't. It, it's one of those things. You know, sometimes I post a chart because I think it, you know, makes a point that I want to make. Sometimes I do it because I don't understand, and I'm hoping someone will explain it to me. And uh, with the Michigan one, it's more the latter. Talking to Phil Kirpin of AmericanCommitment.org, AmericanCommitment.org. You've been able to show that lockdowns don't bring us any better results and create more harm than good. The conversation now is about masks. And certainly you hear people like uh, uh, Rand Paul, right, medical doctor in his own right, saying that for people who are vaccinated, who have been been vaccinated, to still wear masks, like you saw Joe Biden meeting with the Prime Minister of Japan, and he's double-masked, to see these people outdoors, like Nancy Pelosi the other day, also speaking and and wearing a a mask. It's it's cultish as opposed uh, to science. Have you been taking a look at and been able to see anywhere where the wearing of masks has definitively helped reduce the spread of COVID? Has anything come across your desk uh, that, that shows that? Well, you know, if you look at the the best study that the CDC could muster to try to make the case for masks, uh, found that uh, you had a 0.5% reduction in cases in places where you had very high masking rates. Uh, Now, I question the way they did that study. You know, it really was heavily sensitive to the choice of endpoints. And you could say there are a lot of issues with it. And some people might say it overstates it or maybe it's totally. But let's just for a second take that at face value. 0.5% is a very, very, very small effect. And when you're talking about, you know, when you're vaccinated, you're reducing the risk 90%, 95%, something like that. The idea that, you know, having reduced the risk 95%, you now have to, everywhere you go, put a mask on for an extra 0.5. I, I just find that ridiculous on its face, even if you believe the CDC number about mask effectiveness. And of course, uh, you know, in, in my view, Almost all of the stuff with masks, you know, you know, in theory, if somebody wears it perfectly and it's sealed tight against your face, uh, you get some benefit. But in practice, the way people wear them, you know, they're breathing right over the top and out the sides. It's not sealed to your face. There's very little, if any, benefit the way they're done in practice as opposed to in the lab with mannequins and, you know, the various different mechanistic studies that have been done. And so, you know, is there a positive effect? Maybe if you're extremely conscientious and you have a tight fit, uh, but it's very, very small. And compared to the vaccine, it's like you, know, you can't even see it because the vaccine is so effective uh, and, and dramatically reduces the risk so much that, you know, I agree with Rand Paul. I mean, I really think that once you're fully vaccinated, you know, you should be life as normal. The risk to you is, is effectively zero. So you're you're in the vaccine camp. I'm not anti-vax, right? You want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. You, you don't want to live live your life, but I'm certainly oh, yeah, not I anti. I definitely think it's a personal choice. I mean, here's the thing. If you believe, as I do, that the vaccine is highly effective, that means everyone who has it should no longer care what anyone else does because they don't represent a threat to you whether they decided to get it or not. And so, you know, my view is... You know, we're a few weeks away from everyone in the country who wants the vaccine having it. At that point, everything should go back to normal, because if somebody chooses uh, to take the virus risk without being vaccinated, that's their choice. But it doesn't affect anyone else for making a different choice. Phil Kirpin, legal, I was going to say legal insurrection, American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.org, at Kirpin on Twitter, K-E-R-P-E-N. Phil, I always appreciate it. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.
Apple making Google and Facebook very unhappy. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of making Google and Facebook very unhappy. Yes! 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 Tony Katz, great to be with you, Tony Katz, today. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that. I heard it, yeah. It sounded weird. Apple... A new iOS, they've got some new products, they've got a new iPad that they're coming out with that looks pretty incredible. They've got a new software update for the iPhone. 14.5. I don't think I don't think it's available yet. Wait, is it available yet? According to this, I can I can do it I can do an update. Let me see. Let me see what it is. No, this is 14.4.2. 14.5 will be available, and it's going to include a privacy feature called App Tracking Transparency. And what it will do is require apps to request permission before gathering user or device data, which means that Google and Facebook will no longer be able to track you unless you give them permission to track you. They can no longer take a look at what you request on on Facebook or on Google and say, yeah, we're not paying attention to that. It changes the identifier for advertisers, which is this random number assigned to each iPhone, right? So it'll change uh, that that up because they use that to personalize uh, the advertisement. Uh, And they're releasing software updates for iPad, Apple Watch, uh, and Macs, um, and it will prevent Google and Facebook from uh, from engaging these these full tracking, and here's how they respond: the average small business advertiser stands to see a cut of over sixty percent in their sales for every dollar they spend. That's how Facebook responded. First, of Facebook and Google, f these people. I could care less. Nope, I could not care less. That's it. I could not care less whether or not they're happy. But the idea, the very idea that the thing that I should be concerned with is that the advertiser is going to see a cut of over 60% in their sales for every dollar they spend. Well, let me make a suggestion to all of those advertisers worried about getting the best bang for their buck. From Television City in Hollywood. Radio. Advertise on radio. Contact your local station, the station that runs this very program, and say to them, I want to advertise on Tony Katz today. Weekdays, weekends, days, nights, makes no difference. Radio advertising works, and you're going to love it because we don't care what happens to Facebook or Google. Seriously, screw those mothers. You're going to get great results and have a great time advertising on radio to an audience that really actually wants your product. Radio advertising. It's the wave of the future because it's the only thing that worked in the past for your dollar. Facebook. F them. That's my ad. Do you think that was effective, Ari? You know, was... I actually didn't hate it. Right. Right. It wasn't bad at all. It wasn't bad at all. Pretty good. If you ask me. What a nonsense thing to say. If all of radio should be running ads. Like, radio groups should get together and run ads and be like, 
Facebook is right. Advertising on, on social media is worthless. But advertise on radio and you'll actually reach an audience that wants your product. And you'll see results. Huge results. Insane results. Your mom's going to be like, damn, those are some results. Radio advertising. Call now. How could you miss this opportunity? How could you miss this opportunity? Facebook put out a, a, on their on their blog post um, saying that the Apple update is going to force developers to enable in-app purchases to make up for lost revenue. Huh? It will force businesses to turn to subscription and other in-app payment for revenue, meaning Apple will profit and many free services will have to start charging or exit the market. I'm not so sure how that part works, because if I'm allowed to turn something on, can I turn it on for the specific? Or do I have to turn it on in general? And can't I make the decision of what is more important to me, privacy or the app functionality? I will tell you, when I look at my phone, right, aside from the fact that I clearly need a new phone, I mean, this is just, it's just ridiculous already. I, I know I do. It's its just a mess. Actually, I was looking at the new Samsung. The new camera features on the Samsung are nuts. Like, you can shoot full movies, and you the things you can do on the fly are, are, are spectacular. Spectacular. Um, but I, I, I look at the apps that I have, and I'm like, I could get rid of three quarters of them and be fine. I don't know why I have them. Like, you should be able to go through, and if there's an app you haven't used in a year, a delete. Just delete. Like, I have the Travago app. Do you use Travago, Producer Ari? Not enough to have the app. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's going. I've got nothing against Travago. They'd be a great sponsor of Tony Katz today, right? Um, what what else is 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 one a hotel tonight? Man, I really think I'm going to do a lot of traveling, but that's just not the case. That the Constitution app I have that stays. That everyone should have the Constitution app of one way one one way or another. You you should you should you should have that. I have an app called Liker. Well, I think it was a social media app. I think that, you know, when I see a new social media app uh, site come up, I sign up so I can have my name so nobody else can steal my identity. That's why I do it. But, like, there's no app here that I'm like, if I don't have this, I will die. So, therefore, yes, please uh, don't let me have any recourse on my privacy. Not a single one. Other people, they'll decide. I think this is great. And I think radio is missing a great opportunity to utilize this to their advantage. What kind of fool advertises on social media? The only place to advertise is radio. That's, that's where producer Ari does all his advertising. Mm-hmm. All of it. All is, that, of it. That's, is that not right? Oh, no, all of it. That's what I thought. That, I thought I had that right. Now... I'm going to share with you what LeBron James said. I'm going to share with you what the White House press secretary said. I'm going to share with you that Ellen was driving while stoned. I mean, I'm running the gamut. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. See? Still radio, the more important part. This is Tony Katz today.